is the show where Eskimos fans get all things green and gold from the man who calls the shots. We're just ready to lace it up and go out there and hit somebody and uh, play physical, disciplined football. This is where one empire gets insight you can't get anywhere else. This is the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering, Canada's largest public automotive and RV auction. Now, with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. And a good evening to everybody and welcome to the show 735 on 630 Chad. This is it. It's the final Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason for 2017. Yesterday afternoon in Calgary, uh, a loss in the West Final to the Stampeders, 32-28. It brought a roller coaster season uh, to an end for the Eskimos. Uh, one game short of where they wanted to be, and that is in the Grey Cup game in Ottawa coming up on Sunday. The coach, Jason Moss, as always, uh, joins us, and we thank him for his time. Jason, I know yesterday's a heartbreaking day for you and the team. Uh, what's today like? Um, I mean... <laughs> Getting over um, a loss. I mean, at the end of the day, today I went in the office early and told the players I'd be in at 9 and wanted to see all of them before they left on Tuesday night um, for our team meeting. Um, I know that a lot of them had medicals today, so I was in there and available from 9 a.m. till um, till now, basically. I saw about 45 of them, and we'll see the rest of them tomorrow. So, you know, we talked about the season, talked about the, fi- the, the finish, the end of the year, and talked about what's what's yet to come uh, in the future. So um, all of it was upbeat, um, positive. Uh, if anybody knows who, what I'm about, I'm about positivity. And, you know, I, I, you know, it's hard to get over. But at the end of the day, the next day came and, you know, with a lot of things to, to look forward to. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about the game, but obviously we've got to talk about the final three minutes. Um, the call that uh, that you made to go for the field goal late in the football game. Uh, again, I know you talked about it yesterday and probably a lot today. The decision why you made it and a day later, do you have any change of thought at all about going for the field goal at that point? I don't have any change of thought of what I would do differently at the at the moment. Um, you know, when it got down to third and four, we had a minute 56, I believe, on the clock, something of that nature. Um, I felt very strongly, you know, thinking about both scenarios. We could go for it and or we could kick the field goal, rely on our defenses to, to get a two and out, get us the ball back, and we'd have over a minute to go with a, uh, with, with an offense that has been there, done that about six times this year on teams, knowing that the team that we were playing is going to kick into the wind. Um, we'd have good, field, favorable field position. That's the way I felt. I felt like we could go for basically get a two for one and uh, go back down and score a touchdown for the win rather than get a, a touchdown, have to get an extra point, which wasn't a guarantee with the win, or go for two, which wasn't a guarantee, possibly not get either of them, and have the team you know, either try to run the clock out from there and have to do the whole scenario again or just go for a two-for-one. And that's the way I decided to go with it. Um, you know, we talked about the beginning of the game. You know, we win as a team, we lose as a team, and we and we have all three phases working. And I felt like if our defense got the stop, their special teams got it back to the offense, the offense would do their job. So all three phases need to do it. And at the end of the day, it didn't work out. And so I get the the questions and the wonder why didn't, you didn't do it. You're, when you say you, you wish I would have done the other thing, you're expecting that it would work that way too and that wasn't a guarantee so I went with what I felt was the best situation um you know, and if you start questioning everything, I would like to wonder what would happen if we did get the two and out, if we did field the ball, if we did get the ball with a minute to go, what would our offense have done? You know, those are things that everyone's going to question and, and everyone has an opinion 
and I'm fine with that people have an opinion. I got into the profession where people can can have an opinion on something that you do and something you make a decision on. And I, you know, I accept full responsibility for everything. And um, but I'll stand behind my call and and what I felt was best for our football team to get a victory. And ultimately, it didn't work out, and we lose a game. And that was the outcome. I think it's fair to say you're an aggressive coach. You coach an aggressive style. When when you went for the field goal, my original thought was that's not the aggressiveness that I would expect from you. But then I thought about it some more, and it's exactly the aggressiveness because instead of getting one touchdown to tie in two minutes, you wanted to get two scores to win in two minutes. Well, exactly. And I again, that's that. I, I made a decision with eight seconds about on my mind. I had about eight seconds to decipher after the down is, is made at third and four to say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You have to make a decision right now. What are you going to do? The easy thing probably would have been, go for it. Go ahead. But I thought about every scenario in about eight seconds, both scenarios, and thought which was best for us. And I went with what I felt at that moment was best for us. Kick a field goal, rely on your defense to get a two and out, and even with a four and out, we still would have had about 25 seconds if we would have played the clock a little bit differently. Had about 26 seconds to go back down and score. Worst case scenario. The worst case scenario really played out, not getting the ball back. Mm-hmm. But I felt very strongly that if we, if we executed that situation the way I felt and believed we would execute that situation, our offense with Mike Riley and our offense would be put on the field with over a minute to go on about the 40, 45-yard line if we just field the punt with plenty of time to go down and score on a team. Um, that's what I believed, and that's why I called it. I believed in us as a team. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can criticize it and question it all you want because it didn't work out in that favor, and you can wonder what would have happened. I wonder a whole bunch of things and look at every scenario, and I'll look, I'll look at it next year when other scenarios come up. But I've went over the scenario multiple times since the game ended. And I still believe very strongly that that's the way I'd go again. And, you know, I, I like to believe that, you know, that was the, the correct decision. But I, I, trust me, I completely understand everyone being up in arms and people questioning it and getting upset about it. That's the reason I love fans and I love people that love the CFL and love football. So, um, like I said, I put ourselves, you know, I put our, our players in position I felt was the best for us. And ultimately it turned out to, to not happen. And I'll have to accept the loss for that. You've said you don't regret the call. Obviously, you're saying that you, you know, you explained why you did it. Does what happened? Does it change your thinking going forward? You think in the future you'll change how you approach certain so things as a coach? Basically, if you ask me that question and I say yes, I would change it. Does that mean I don't believe in my defense to get a two and out and my special teams to fill the ball mm-hmm. and my offense can't score a touchdown with a minute to go? I mean, what what scenario do you want me to play out? Because or then you're also saying we would have converted the third and four. We would have scored a touchdown. We would have got the two-point or one. Would you, what would you go for? I mean, there's a lot of scenarios yeah. that have to play out well in your favor to get, the, to get a win, too, in those scenarios. So I honestly, at the end of the day, when I look back, and I won't know until the next time comes, but when I feel strongly about something, that's what leaders do, and that's what coaches do. When they feel strongly about something, they don't waver. They do it. And they live with the consequences. And they don't sit there and second-guess themselves. Do I look at every scenario again? Do I look at it and analyze it? Absolutely. I don't regret it. Mm, and as a coach, that's what you have to do, right? You have to have confidence in your team to make the plays, right? I damn well have confidence in our team that they can make the plays. And that's why I called the situation the way I called it. So, again, 
I don't mind people questioning it. Go ahead, because there were two avenues you could choose. I chose one mm-hmm. path. Every other people could say they chose the other path. That's their right. That's their that's their opinion. And I chose the other one, and it didn't work out. And you know, like I said, the consequence was we did not make it happen, and and ended up with a loss. Obviously, disappointment. You don't convert that at the end, but I mean, you still there's a lot more into the game and why you lost than just that play. Obviously, I mean, you didn't hold a 14 nothing lead. You're outscored 30 to one at one point. You missed some field goals. You dropped some balls. Uh, after the first 10 minutes, a lot of things went wrong for you at times. Yeah, I mean, they're a championship team for a reason. They're they're the reason they're the cream of the crop. They're the reason they've been to Grey Cups multiple times in multiple years. Um, you know, so when you don't play at your best. There's an opportunity to get beat by them. I still feel like we battled them, did a lot of great things, had a chance to win the ball game at the end against a team that is the, the best in the league and has proven it over the, the course of many years in our league. So, you know, with all that being said, what you just mentioned, you know, it still came down to, at the end of the day, a situation that we didn't uh, perform at our best. And... Um, you know, had we done that, we win that ball game with all that you just said. So mm-hmm. I still feel like it was a great battle against two great teams, and one of them was going to win that night, and the other one wasn't. And you know, at the end of the day, it sucks to end your season that way. Um, it's a terrible feeling, um, but it's one that you can either hang your head or hold it high and look to the future. And and that's what I've chosen to do. And and I believe my team, after I talk to them tomorrow, will feel the same. Uh, the goal is always to get to the Grey Cup. Um, 2017, despite the fact not getting there, is is there a way you call this season a success or a step forward for this group despite not getting to that ultimate goal, which every team has every year? Yeah, I think at the beginning of the year, your ultimate goal is to... There's a lot of goals. There's not just... I mean, the, the, the attainable goal, the one that you want to reach no matter what, is the Grey Cup. Um, but how you get there is a great journey. And the, it always starts with making the playoffs. And you, we made the playoffs. We won a playoff game. You know, we finished with a winning record. You know, uh, we we had streaks, seven wins. We overcame six losses. We ended the season um, with six more. I mean, you know, we had a great season. I, I No one can ever tell me that what we just did wasn't an accomplishment. We had a ton of injuries. We faced a, <laughs> multiple opportunities of adversity and kept our you know kept working kept grinding and ultimately we're a we're a tough out at the end um you know so yes we didn't obtain getting to the gray cup and winning one but to say our season wasn't a success i i think that's foolish um it's not something the way i think um but at the end of the day it's disappointing that you don't get there but to say it wasn't successful i, I don't agree all right uh, we'll uh, talk about the off season we'll talk about 2018 a little bit uh we'll also talk about the probable mb mop of the cfl this season as well all that and more as we continue it's uh, the eskimos coaches show with jason moss it's 745 on 630 Chet. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. We have the selection. You set the price. Now, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. 
All right, we're back on the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss. One final time this year, Eskimos season came to an end yesterday. We, uh, Jason, you kind of touched on it before the break, the injuries this season. I went back, I looked at the numbers before we came on the air. 346 man games lost to injury this year. 87 different players on your 46-man roster, 54 different starters. I know that throughout the season you've never used injuries as an excuse, and I'm not saying they, they're, they are an excuse. They're clearly a factor in what happened this year with, with your football team, especially during, I thought, during the six-game losing streak. Uh, but I, what I want to know is how much of a challenge was this year for you and your, co- and your coaching staff to, to have guys ready and then next week have another guy ready to replace the guy you just got ready? Was it a real challenging year for you that it's, way? It's an extreme challenge. I mean, anytime you have multiple people missing in your lineup, you have to teach them your game plans. You have to, you know, deal with game, you know, strategy that's a little bit different because of the the body type or the player um you know trying to teach them some guys the um the offense the defense the special teams the cohesiveness that it takes to play positions with one another um you know all that has to be taught in a relatively short manner with multiple moving parts and it's a diff it's an absolute challenge and i thought our coaching staff did a tremendous job this year getting everyone prepared i thought you know going in i said we were a deep team it, it proved itself uh, but i think our coaches did a, a great job getting guys ready and i think our players were very professional about their preparation and ultimately going out in the field and and doing the job and i thought that was awesome i'll never use any excuse i'll use it more as an accomplishment to say, look what we've done with this adversity. And it goes to show you, you never give up and you just keep grinding. And no matter who's in there, you got to have a mentality that, you know, you know, the whole group is what makes the engine go, not just one piece. So even if you're missing multiple pieces, you're still able to accomplish great things. It's pretty rare that a coaching staff goes uh, in its entirety from one season to the next. You did that from 2016 to this year. What's the status for your staff for next year? Um, uh, do you know anything yet? Yeah, they're all working on stuff with with Brock. Um, I've asked that all of them come back. I, I don't want to lose anybody. I'm big on continuity. I'm big on guys that can do their job and do it well. And, and I love the way our coaches the last two years I've coached our guys um you know they come to the building every day to work whether we were up we were down you know they never lost faith they always continue to send the message uh they were always positive upbeat um you know always working I love my guys I love the guys I I have a great fondness for our coaching staff um you know a tremendous amount of respect for them there's a reason I hired all of them um and excited about working with them again so I hope that it all works out um you never know with the movement in the CFL you know and guys get opportunities to go other places but i really hope they all decide to come back and can work things out we watch the game sunday i will um i definitely will i i think it'll be a great matchup obviously um you know i i I think it's uh one of those games where when ricky's playing i think it's a, a special thing so um actually will be very keen on how it goes uh, you're good friends with Ricky. You played with him for a long time. You know him very well. You've you've coached Mike for the last two years. You know him very well. You're probably of anybody the most uniquely qualified to talk about the two MOPs this year. Um, I'm assuming Mike's going to win it, but uh, two pretty good qu- uh, quality candidates for most outstanding player in the CFL this year. Both had tremendous seasons. Yeah, there's no question. And I'm a, I'm a I'm not a little bit biased. I'm a bit by a big time biased towards Mike. So, um, but Ricky has had a tremendous season. I, you know. 
for him to be even questioning last year that you know whether he could play or not and then come out and do the things he's done this year and lead his team and um, I think his whole season got summed up in that last drive in the playoff game and I know the votes were already in but that last drive pretty much sums up his season and his career if you ask me he's cool and the, probably the best one of the best quarterbacks ever under pressure um, nothing seems to phase him um, he takes them right down and scores a touchdown when they needed it most with two I think third down conversions uh, you know nothing short of spectacular so both obviously um, great candidates they're they're both class acts both uh you know, the CFL couldn't have a better MOP matchup, if you ask me, than those two. And obviously, um, you know, whoever wins is well-deserving and whoever loses is actually just as. So it's a it's a great honor this year for both of them. Uh, I know you're going to take some time off probably. Uh, what's what's on a CFL coach's to-do list over the offseason? What what's your major, uh, major things that you have to check off this offseason? I mean, obviously, the first thing you're doing right now is, you know, talking to your players and, um, you know, you're trying to look at your free agents and trying to get guys that you want back, and um, you're you're looking for the free agency start of the, the season uh, in February. You know, you can't really do much till schedule gets out for scheduling, but you know the coaches. <clears throat> You're trying to figure out kind of what plans you want to put in place, uh, look at your schemes, do all the, the the things like that. It's really about organizing the next year. Uh, you do get a little bit of a break uh, right now, but then soon soon to be will be March for the combine and trying to get players, the Canadian players done. Um, and then you're off to mini camp and uh, trying to find your free agents. Um, and then you're off to training camp. And it's a really short off season, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, I give my coaches as much time off as possible because the season's so grueling, but it seems to go by really quickly. So, uh, but if I could say anything, it's a lot of planning for the next year and um, getting ready uh, for the next season. Uh- you do anything different next year? You've been a head coach now for two years. This is your second off season as a head coach. What's different for you? Are you going to change the way anything gets done? Um, I think we finally got a pretty good formula going at the end of this year with uh, the way we approach our practices, the way we do our our um, you know meetings. Um, you know, I look at training camp. You know, it always depends on you know how many games between last year. We had all of our games at the end, so. Um, I don't know that I, I would change too much. Uh, we'll obviously look at you know all, some little things to change, but um, I really like how we, we are as an organization, how we're set up with our players. We, we, the rest time we give them, uh, our players are always excited to come into our building and learn and practice. Um, you know, and I feel like we prepare our guys well uh, with the way we do things. So I don't know that I'm going to be changing too much. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more about just analyzing the good and the bad of the season, and then ultimately deciding on the plan. And uh, we'll come up with that shortly. Uh, Jason, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, that's it for this year. Uh, i got to thank you so much for, for all the time you've given us throughout the season for myself and, and Dave and, and Reed when you've talked with him. Uh, no matter what happened yesterday, it was entertaining. It was a lot of fun to watch this year and uh, maybe a short off season for you, but the rest of it's going to be a long off season. So thanks again for your time. Yeah, thanks, Morley, and I really appreciate you guys here. So thank you. That is Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, and that is it for the 2017 season. It will be a Great Cup Game 105 in Ottawa on Sunday afternoon, the Calgary Stampeders and the Toronto Argonauts. My name is Morley Scott. Have a great night, everybody.